and this is the Atlantic side, so waves are really big. So I love this song because in the natural, when you would go out on a really rough day, and if waves crashed and crashed and crashed over you, that was very bad, okay, because you were having a hard time breathing. But it gives you a sense of the power and the awesomeness and the volume of God's love. His love crashes over us wave after wave. I mean, we sometimes have such a small sense of who God is. And his love is like beyond our comprehension. We have all these reasons why we think either God doesn't love me or shouldn't love me. And and all God wants to say is, man, it's crashing over you wave after wave. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that we are loved. We're not loved because of what we did or didn't do. We're loved because you made a choice to send your son so that by his blood, your love could crash over us wave after wave after wave after wave. Oh, and we are so grateful for that, Father. In Jesus, your name, we recognize this. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you are in for a treat today. A number of years back, I received an email as a pastor from a new person that had just come to our church one time. Her name was Bethany Syverson. And Bethany basically in that email told, uh, told me everything that was wrong about our child care program and how we release kids from the sanctuary. So pastors have two reactions to that. One is we pray that they never come back. But if you know Bethany, that was not going to happen. Okay, or we recognize that this person actually cares and wants to make a difference. Well, let me tell you, that was the case with Bethany and Jason. They have been here for a number of years now, and they have made a huge difference in this church. By the way, if you like the way childcare is handled so smoothly and efficiently, it all started right in the lap of this lady here, Bethany, who now has helped us uh, perfect that, uh, that system. So as we were, as elders, thinking about what's going to go on for the new year, uh, Bethany had sent some information over to us of some things God was putting on her heart. And uh, we very much thought those were things that would, in fact, be a great message to end our new year and start us off into this 2019. As I thought about how would I introduce Bethany, a number of different things, talk about her being an amazing mom, she's a caring person, you know, a lot of different things. Uh, but I think this is the best introduction I can give. This is Bethany Syverson, a godly woman. Amen. Come on up, Bethany. Good morning, Shiloh. It's an honor to be able to um, stand up here with you guys and uh, bring the message today. Um, I felt like God had really been putting some stuff on my heart. And um, as I was digging into my Bible, I was reading into uh, the book of Ezekiel and God just started pouring. Like I heard somebody at one point call it like a download. And that's exactly what it felt like, a download of information that I know that God really um, meant for me. But I also felt like he was saying, this is is for my people as well. Um, And then one Sunday we were singing that song, You Make Me Brave. And I literally heard God say to me, my people... They're not brave. They're not brave. They need to be encouraged, me, inclu- me including me. Like, it was a message to me, but I just felt like God was saying that. So, um, so I approached Greg, and he brought it to the elders, and they kindly are letting me um, bring the message today. So, um, little comic, a little humor to start us off with. So there's a little bit of evangelism. Um, when 
Jesus talked in Matthew about going. I'm not entirely sure that's what he meant, um, but we, I need to move this, don't I? Good? Are we good? Good? Okay, I could, I could hear it. All right, so um, when he, uh, nope. When uh, in, in Matthew, when he talks about that, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not what he meant when he said go, um, vandalizing something, but I thought it was a cute little bit of humor. But in Matthew 28, 19, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Some people see this as international missions, like that's their purpose and, and that's what we must do is we must have to go to, you know, some other country or something. But I'll tell you, that is not what Jesus was talking about. It, it, it includes that. It is not to the exclusion of everything else, though. Um, we are called to love on our neighbors, whoever that is. It is the baggers at the grocery store. It is um, your bank teller. It's your classmates in school. It's your coworkers. We are called to love. This is not a leisurely, like, if you feel like going. This isn't like, hey, this is God talking. If you feel like, you know, hey, you should maybe go and tell the people about me. Go ahead. If not, that's fine. Totally fine. It's a command, right? It's a command. We are absolutely told through scripture, which if you believe in Jesus, you believe in God, you believe he is the one and only God, and you believe that truth is in the Bible, you have to believe what the Bible is telling us. And he tells us that we are to go make disciples of all nations. It's a command. When I tell my children to brush their teeth, or I tell them to go clean up their room. Again, it's not this like, eh, if you feel like having clean teeth, if you feel like cleaning up your room, then I suppose you can go and do it. No, as a parent, that's command, right? We have expectations and we have obedience. We expect that our children would be obedient to the commands that we have given to them. And that has, you know, that can have major consequences, right? If you tell them no and they run across the street and get hit by a car, it's like, it's so similar, right? God is telling us to go because there are people's lives in real jeopardy. Again, if you believe that scripture is truth, then you have to believe that there's a heaven. If you believe that there is heaven, you have to believe that there is hell. So if there is heaven and if there is hell, then that means there are people who are going to hell. We are his disciples and we are brought here for purpose for such a time as this, as we are told in Esther. So a disciple is defined as a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ during his lifetime. And we are told that we are to go. So my message comes out of Matthew, that verse, as well as um, Ezekiel. I was studying in the book of Ezekiel a little while ago, and Jason came in while I was doing my quiet time, and I was journaling and writing, and, and he's seeing my Bible, and it's all, like, highlights all throughout it, notes in Ezekiel, and he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm reading the book of Ezekiel. I just love the book of Ezekiel. And he was like, what? Like, the book with, like, all the prophecies and the angels and the, you know, um, uh, animals with all the different heads and everything like that, Ezekiel. I was like, yes, I love the book of Ezekiel, but not for all that. I'm not into like, I don't really understand all that. And I figure it someday we'll go and see all that, you know, all those weird animals in heaven. I'm not concerned about that, but the book of Ezekiel has so many amazing truths that we need for today, right? It's Old Testament, 
But it doesn't mean that we aren't supposed to still listen to it, right? Jesus, um, Jesus came not to destroy the, old, the law, but he came to fulfill the law. So we have old, uh, New Testament Matthew, right, telling us to go. And then we have Ezekiel, very far back in the Old Testament. It says, turn with me if you can to Ezekiel 2, 3 through 7 is what we're going to read through. He said, son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or if they fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or of their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, though they are rebellious people. You must speak my words, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious nation. This is Ezekiel. This is Old Testament, right? But the command is exactly the same as New Testament, Matthew. Jesus' words in the New Testament. We are to go. We are to go and make disciples of all nations. And that starts right here in Manchester, in Dunbarton, in Bedford, in Henniker, Warner, Webster, all these towns. It starts everywhere. It starts everywhere. So does this sound familiar in the United States? We're obstinate. We are... um, we are a nation in revolt of, against God. Yes, we, have, we live in a society where everything is extremely politically correct now. We can't say certain things a certain way. We have to do things a certain way. Everything is extremely politically correct. But God is not politically correct. His word is truth. His word is truth. There is no political correctness in what Jesus preaches and what the Bible teaches. There is nothing, no political correctness in that. So um, we have been put here, like I said, on this earth for such a time as this. Ezekiel eventually, um, as we move forward into uh, chapter 3, Ezekiel is, again, hearing from the voice of the Lord, and the Lord is giving Ezekiel a warning for the nation of Israel, for the leaders of Israel. So we're going to start with um, Ezekiel three eighteen through 19. Sorry, I forgot to click forward again. Um, when I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak to them, speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. Right? This is Ezekiel, Old Testament. But if you do warn the wicked person and they do not turn from their ways, wickedness, or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, but you will save yourself. This isn't about necessarily saving ourselves, but it is about going and living missionally. It is about telling the truth to a nation of people that desperately need and want to know about Jesus Christ. They may not even know that they want that, but their lives are in messes. Their lives, I mean, we're in the middle of an opiate addiction um, epidemic in this, in this um, state, right? Really across the country. 
<clears throat> these people need to know the hope and the love of Jesus. We have a job to do. And again, um, I would just continue to say that it's, it's Old Testament and New Testament. So again, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 34, going way further into the book of Ezekiel, I'm not going to read all this. I'm going to paraphrase it because it's a little lengthy. Ezekiel and the Lord are talking again, and the Lord is showing Ezekiel that the um, spiritual leaders of Ezekiel, of Israel, they are not doing what they were commanded to do. They were put in charge over the nation of Israel to teach the nation of Israel about God, to lead them in the path of righteousness through, through God, but that did not happen. And when that didn't happen, God told Ezekiel, tell my people, tell the, the leaders that I am unhappy with them, essentially is what he says. He says, I'm going to now go take care of them because you didn't take care of them. Because you fattened yourselves, you clothed yourselves, you took care of yourselves, and you left them to be fed on by the wild animals, to die, to perish, because you cared about yourself more than you cared about my people. And so Ezekiel brings this message forth, right? So we have a purpose and a plan. That purpose and that plan is what Ezekiel and Matthew, Old Testament and New Testament, tell us that we are to go. We are to go and make disciples of all nations. We are to go and share the love of Jesus Christ. Um, so I have a little demonstration. Didn't go over so well for, for service. I got a little overzealous with the glue. But when I was in my 20s, I used to teach uh, abstinence and purity classes to youth groups. And when I was teaching that, I would do this illustration where we would take these hearts um, and on the blue side, it represents, um, let's just say, the blue side represents a girl, a, a boy, and the pink, a girl. Um, and it will have the same application for today's message as well. Um, this is going to be God, and this is you. The pink side is you as in all of us. So when you um, interact with somebody, at all times, you are leaving a part of you with that person, on that person, Right? So in abstinence, of course, if you are, you know, going beyond boundaries that would please God, um, that has ramifications for your future spouse and future relationships and stuff like that. For God and for um, going and being the light and a missional, a living missionally, it would mean that when I, when I take the time to um, have a relationship with somebody, um, not, not intimate, have a relationship in, in a discipleship way, and I share the love of Jesus Christ with them, I begin to leave Jesus on them. Because if we are all believers and we have Jesus Christ living in us, then Jesus flows out of us. And as Jesus flows out of us, he, he touches the people that we encounter and the people that we interact with. And so the, the demonstration was that I would rip the pink from the blue and that it, right? When you rip there's blue left all over, right? The presence of God will be left with people when we take the time to be in a relationship with them. When we take the time, it doesn't even have to be a long-term relationship, but even being rec recognizing that the people that you're encountering on a daily basis are people who need the hope and love of Jesus Christ. And when we don't just pass them by, when we get that 
that, you know, like calling in our, in our heart and in our mind to talk to that person and we do it, um, we begin living missionally with a purpose knowing that their, um, that their lives have eternal purpose. So, <clears throat> obedience out of love. The message that Jesus and God of the Old Testament um, w- were, was bringing, both in Matthew and in, and, and in Ezekiel, was a message of love. It was not a message of guilt and condemnation, but a message of love. In John fourteen fifteen, it says, God says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, right? Our obedience is out of love. It's not out of duty or out of obligation. It's a river of joy that flows out of us as we remember what Jesus has done for us. As we remember what he has saved us from and brought us into, that is how we begin to live missionally and recognizing that people need hope around us. So um, I want to encourage you guys to stay connected with your story. Whatever brought you into the kingdom, stay connected with that story and share that story of hope and love to other people. It is through our stories that people begin to understand what God is capable of. It's through our stories that people begin to understand what God has done for them, and then it allows other people to realize what God can do for them, for for the person that you're speaking with. So the great uh, Leo Christopher, don't really know who he is, (laughs) said, there's only one thing more precious than our time, and that's who we spend it on. Who are you spending your time on? Again, it doesn't have to be these long-term relationships, but it's the recognition of of what um, God is speaking to you in a moment. I'm so convicted by this. I'm constantly convicted by um, what what can I be doing to show the love of Jesus Christ to other people. John MacArthur said, you are the only Bible some unbelievers will ever read. When you're interacting with the world, they may never pick up a Bible. For their whole life, they may never pick up a Bible. They may die never having picked up a Bible. But their interactions with you, this message right here, this one, not that one, right? That's what they, that may be the only thing they get from you, from, from people, from not having read the word. Matthew twenty two thirty five through 39 says, One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Every time I read this verse, I'm always struck by what happened in this verse. What was asked of Jesus? What? One verse, uh, one commandment, right? What is the singular greatest commandment? What did Jesus respond with? Two. God couldn't differentiate, right? I mean, I'm sure there is slight differentiation. Love God, but it was such a close second that we have to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? Right? 
God couldn't differentiate. He couldn't give just one because there wasn't just one answer. It was so important to God that we love others that he had to give the answer in, in a plural form. First Chronicles 16, 18 says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done for you. Lauren, can you start that video? Thank you. We're going to watch a quick video. This is Lecrae, in case it cuts out at the beginning. When Lecrae was a small child, his father abandoned him and his mother. I wrestled with a sense of self-worth and, and, and am I even valuable uh, because my dad decided, you know, drugs would be better than hanging out with his own son or, or, or staying with me. He found a sense of belonging in the hip-hop culture on the streets. My uncles were young and um, wrapped up in the streets and, you know, gangs and drugs and, and just promiscuous. And I idolized it. It was a, I mean, it was just a, I wanted to be the gang member my uncle was. I wanted every tattoo he had. You know, I saw my first gun and all these different things. And I was like, man, this, is, this must be what it means to be a man. And I'm just sitting on their laps soaking all this stuff in like wow you know and so i was like you know a child of rap and hip-hop just seeing this world come up around me in his teens lecrae realized something was still missing i knew my ways were unfulfilling you know i chased power i chased pleasure i chased possessions i chased um, just something satisfying and i knew i kept getting let down i knew it was it was insanity and i was never going to find fulfillment, but I didn't know what else to look for. He kept a Bible in his car as a good luck charm. One night, police caught him trespassing and in possession of drugs. He was cuffed and sat in the police car waiting to go to jail. And the police officer goes in my car and he saw the Bible and he came back to the police car and he said, uh, son, you got a Bible in your car. And I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, you know what that Bible's about? And I was like, I need to. And uh, he said, well, you know what, I'm, today I'm going to let you go because I want you to get into that Bible and I want you to start living it. And that really did something to me and that really, that really rocked me. And I, I didn't want to get in any kind of trouble like that again. He joined some friends at a Christian conference where he heard what Jesus did for him on the cross. And he talked about Jesus, you know, carrying his cross on the mount on, on, on Golgotha and, and, um, and just the, the, the turmoil and the pain that Jesus went through, that Jesus would take all that on his own back floored me. And I said, I, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. And, um, and I just bowed out and said, Jesus, I'm sorry, and just broke down crying. For a year, Lecrae walked a line between college partier and committed Christian. His life was spinning out of control, and he knew it. Just cried out to the Lord one day. I said, God, I feel like um, I'm going to kill myself or kill somebody. And I said, please, just, just stop me before it gets to that point. I said, stop me. Do whatever you got to do. Just don't kill me. He was finally stopped in a massive car accident that left him evaluating his double life. I came out without a scratch. You know, my car had flipped over. It was dented in, damaged up. And here I am without a scratch on me. And I said, okay, God, I need to, I need to change. Later that night, he gave his life completely over to God. Oh, I was radically changed. To realize that I had been living a lie to realize that I was unsatisfied and I would never be satisfied until I came to Jesus was so revolutionary for me that I wanted everyone to taste it. I wanted everyone to see how awesome God was. 
Lecrae typed out his testimony and handed it out on his college campus. He talked about God to anyone who would listen. And I was proud. I was proud to have my story on that piece of paper. And I got laughed at and I got called Jesus freak and Jesus boy and, you know, all kind of stuff. But I was changed. Before long, he learned he could blend his passion for God and his ability as a rapper. I thought that God and rap would never work. I thought that God wasn't okay with rap. You know, people knew I used to rap, and I went to the Bible studies, and someone said, uh, hey, why don't you, you know, rap about Jesus? And so I, just on the spot, I just came up with the rap about Jesus, and, uh, and they were like, man, that was good. And, um, and I was like, wow, Lord, maybe you could really do something with this. He began ministering to kids in juvenile detention. I ended up there for three years, every weekend, just sharing my heart and sharing scripture and rapping as their praise and worship on Sundays. His music has spread around the world. His newest CD, Rebel, debuted at number two on iTunes. But his purpose goes way beyond selling CDs. I want to use my art form to encourage the movement and the church to say, hey, let's engage the city, let's rebuild the city. And so that's really where my heart is, is to, is to rebuild cities, is to see the city come to Jesus. And if you don't know them, you're missing out on purpose, meaning, and life in general. And so I'm passionate about seeing people spend eternity with them. He's awesome. The love of a father that he missed as a child, he now finds in his relationship with God. He's just loved on me when I felt like I didn't deserve love, when I felt like I was unlovable. I'm really grateful, and I feel fortunate to, uh, to have a, a huge family that is, is beyond race, creed, culture and to have a father who shepherds us all. And when I think about that, my mind's blown. I, I, I mean, there's nothing like it. So I'm going to share a story <clears throat> from my life. Um, actually, I have a couple stories. Um, one was a couple of years ago. I was at the mall, and I was at American Eagle, and while I was there, I was... Purchase, getting ready to purchase my stuff, I was in line. And while I was in line, there was some, quite, quite a long line. There were some people in front of me, and then there was two teenage girls in front of these people who were in front of me. And I don't know if you guys have ever felt like you heard from the Lord, but I totally heard from the Lord in that moment. I heard God tell me through like, you know, it's like a thought in my mind, but my heart was racing, pounding out of my body. I heard him say, I need you to talk to those girls. They need to know who I am, and they need to know that I see them, and that I love them, and that I care for them, and that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. And so I sat there in line, and I was like, nope, not doing that, God. Not happening. That's way too scary. And so I don't know if you've ever been in an argument with God, but I was. I was in a full-blown argument in my head with God, like, not happening, God? Nope, not happening. No way, not happening. Okay. So, okay, God, what if, what if the peop- you make the people right in front of me walk away? They have to leave so that I'm right in front of or right behind the people. Because, God, that would be kind of awkward for me to go, like, excuse me. Like, hi, right? That would be super awkward. And so I was like, okay, God, make those people go away. I swear on the Bible, it was not more than two seconds later. And those people were like, oh, we forgot a scarf. I want to get a scarf. 
scarf, and they walked away, and it was me and them right there. And I was like, oh, crap. God, God, Jesus. Okay, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, okay, one, two, three. God, okay, yep, yep, I'll do it, God. Yep, yep. Nope, not doing it. Can't do it, God. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I walked away from those two young girls. To this day, to this day, even though I have asked God to forgive me, and I know that he has, but to this day, I have not forgotten those two girls, and I have continued to pray for them. Because God called me to missional living. God called me to the Ezekiel command, to the Matthew twenty-eight nineteen command. He called me to talk to these girls and give a message to them, and I didn't do it. I started walking out of the Manchester Mall, and American Eagle is right by the court, the food court, and as I started walking, I just started weeping. And I'm sure I looked like some crazy lady as I walked out of the mall, but I couldn't contain the sadness of what I had just done. Not only had I failed God and his, his plan for my life for that moment— But I had failed these young girls who needed to know a message. I don't know what that message would have meant to them, but I know that God told me to do it, and I didn't do it. I got in the car, and I wept all the way home. I just couldn't stop crying. For like two weeks after that, I just journaled and journaled and journaled. God, please forgive me. Open more doors again. I won't fail you again, God. Please, please open more doors And ever since then, for two years, I've continued to pray and ask God to open doors. And God has opened many doors. And I've been very honored and very privileged that in this past year alone, God has given me three women that I have been mentoring. And I've been sharing this book with them, Living in Christ. If you've not read it and you have attended this church, you've got to read this book and then go live missionally. God has given me great opportunities. I have continued to fail other times when it's super awkward and uncomfortable and really hard. But I believe that's what Ezekiel was talking about, right? Even though they they don't want to hear your words, even though they're obstinate and stubborn, even though it can be challenging and super awkward and uncomfortable, I have called you to this. You make me brave, God. So then, back, going way back to my childhood, um, <clears throat> because people lived missionally, because people lived with the, the, the purpose of, for their life, the purpose and plan for their life, um, I came to know the Lord. When I was a little, little girl, my mom, my mom had been, when she was born, she was given a Bible, and it was a King James Version Bible, and if you don't know what the different versions are, the King James Version is the these and the thous and all the really hard words to understand because we don't speak like that anymore. And so I tried reading that Bible. Once I, once I got old enough to learn how to read, I started reading that Bible. Every night I would try to read it, didn't understand a word. I didn't know who God was. I didn't know who Jesus was. I just knew that there was something in that book 
that I needed and I wanted. I did not grow up in a Christian home. At no point had anyone ever tried to talk to me about the Bible or Jesus. I truly did not know that that book had any meaning or any power. But I was so drawn to that book as a little, little girl. So then as I started to get older, 10, 11, 12-ish, I started asking my parents, can you guys take me to church? I would really like to go to church. And mom, if you're watching, I love you, no condemnation. Um, But at some point my mom said, well, we're not really the church-going type of people, but if you want to go to church and you can find a friend, you are welcome to go with a friend. And so I started asking my friends at school, at the junior high, do you go to church? Do you go to church? Do you go to church? And over the course of a few years, I found some friends that went to church, and I went to a couple of churches with them. And this is nothing against the Catholic church, but they happen to be Catholic churches. I totally believe that there are born-again, Bible-believing, spirit-filled people within the Catholic church. But I also know that the Catholic Church has a lot of religiousness to it. And so I went into these churches, and there was a lot of sitting and kneeling and standing and sitting and kneeling and repeating. But there was nothing, like whatever it was that my little small mind and body was searching for, it wasn't found there. And again, I didn't know what the heck I was searching for, but I knew it wasn't there. And so I didn't go. And then when I went into junior high... I met this friend. Her name was Michaela. Her name is Michaela. And we became fast friends, and we started sharing notes with each other. And as we shared notes, on the bottom of every note that we would pass, that she would pass to me, was a Bible verse. But it wasn't just like the reference. It wasn't like, you know, hey, First Chronicles 6, 8. It was every single word that went to that verse. I was reading scripture for like two years, scripture that I understood, words that I understood for the first time in my entire life because my friend was living missionally. Because my friend cared enough about my eternal salvation, whether or not I would go to heaven or whether or not I would go to hell, she cared enough about me to allow me to start reading scripture So she continued to pass notes. Well, right along the same exact time, my mom was at work. And my mom and dad, they were smokers. And my mom would go out on a smoke break. And she would go out um, uh, for her lunch break. And she would always have lunch out where they would smoke so that she could smoke at the same time. And, um, And as my mom was out there, and I don't know her full story, but I know that while she was out there, this man named Roger was always out there. And for a year, he started witnessing to my mom because in his lunchbox was not food, not, the bread of, not that kind of bread for our life. It was the bread of life. It was the Bible. That was the only thing he carried in his lunchbox. And every day, he would go out there and he would start reading his Bible and he would start sharing the hope and love of Jesus Christ with whoever was out there smoking. And after a year of sharing the gospel with my mom, he invited my mom to church. My mom came in on a Sunday morning, and she said, Bethany, I'm going to church in two minutes. You have two minutes to get out of bed and go to church, or else I'm leaving. I got up, flew out of bed. I was um, in ninth grade, 
put on, I remember to this day, I don't know why in ninth grade I was wearing a pink dress with black polka dots, but I was. And I remember wearing a pink dress and black polka dots, and I put on some black, small pump heels, and I flew out the door with my mom. My mom and I went to church that morning, and in that church service, before any preaching ever happened, before a single word of the gospel of Christ ever was spoken, my mom and I were weeping. We were weeping. Because as praise and worship was happening, the Spirit of God was in that building. And the Spirit of God was touching my mom and I to the core of our being. And we knew, I knew for the first time in my life, that was what I had been searching for. I couldn't even explain it as a kid. I couldn't explain that this was God. I just knew that God was touching me and God was touching my mom. We went back to church that night and I went to the youth group. Youth group happened at Sunday night. There was an adult service. My youth group was 250 kids. And that night I gave my life to the Lord. That night my mom gave her life to the Lord. That was July 8th of 1992. I remember it like it was yesterday. We have stories. We need to stay connected to our stories. When we stay connected to our stories, like Lecrae, there is no shame in sharing what Jesus Christ did. It may be uncomfortable. I have failed and I continue to fail. But he has called us to missional living. He has called us to be brave, to walk out on the water, to share the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. So in closing, I just want to say um, some of our takeaways. Remember who your neighbor is. Your neighbor are your classmates in high school, teens, and middle school kids. They're your classmates. My classmate is responsible for my salvation. It's your coworkers. Most of you are still working. These are your coworkers. It's your bagger, your bank teller. It's the people you come in contact with. I heard a beautiful, read a beautiful story this morning about a man in Kennebunk, Maine, completely addicted to drugs and alcohol. And when he was on the beach Christmas day, this was a few years ago, Christmas morning, he went there with the um, purpose of killing, his life, killing himself, ending his life that day on Christmas morning. There was an older lady walking on the beach, and as she walked on the beach, she saw him. She stopped and said, can I pray with you? I feel like God's telling me to pray with you. She prayed with him that day, and as she continued to pray, he said, all of the pain from my life, I felt it leaving me. I felt warmth and a peace for the first time in my entire life. He took a picture with her, completely stoned, completely drunk. He took a picture with her. He said, to this day, it is the most valuable picture he has. Because what happened after that, he gave his life to the Lord. He got himself completely turned around. He is living a productive life, not just in society, but he is living for the Lord now. He is living for the Lord he posted this story to his Facebook account and it started to go viral. And as it went viral, they found the lady who had walked on the beach with him. 
they've gotten in touch. They sat down and they had coffee. And they both just sat at the coffee table and they were crying. A grown man and a grown woman, two strangers. And he thanked her for living missionally because he recognizes the impact that it had on him was that he is clean and sober for the first time in his life. But more importantly, he knows he is going to heaven because she walked out her faith, because she lived missionally. Our neighbors are not always the homeless people on the street, right? It's not always the people in Uganda. Those are people we need to minister to. But remember that it's the people you interact with every single day. It's the people I interact with every single day. So pray. I think one of the scariest prayers we can pray for ourselves is God, use me. Pray. Ask God to use you. When Tira was in ninth grade at Bow High School, that girl was crazy, crazy on fire for God. And she was doing some amazing, mighty things in that school, writing notes and slipping them in the lockers. Scripture, loving on people. She was reaching out to the janitors. And one in, at Christmas time, she said, Mom, can we give him a Bible? I said, absolutely. She walked in with a wrapped present for the, the janitor. And she said, I want to give this to you. And he said, why? Why do you want to give this to me? And she said, I just want to give it to you. He started crying and he told her, nobody talks to me here. None of the kids at this school talk to me. But she loved him enough to recognize that he is a valuable human being and that he too needs to know who Christ was. So pray how God can use you and recognize that it's all around us. Be bold. That's a prayer for me too. Be bold. It's scary. It was so scary for me in American Eagle and then I failed, but I continue to pray, God use me. And so this year I've had the amazing privilege and honor of talking to those three women about Christ and mentoring them and leading them to Christ and seeing one of them get baptized. It's been really amazing. Finally, go. Go. Remember the commands that Jesus has given us, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's not an optional. These are commands by God. I want to leave you with this final thought. Love until it hurts. And when it hurts, love some more. Love until you don't care about the pain, until you stop expecting anything in return, until all that matters is loving that person the best way that you can. So I just want to close with saying, I would love to pray for anybody who would like to be prayed for and encouraged in being bold. It's hard. I've, I've lived through it. I continue to live through it. It is hard to be bold because it takes courage and it takes getting outside of those comfort zones and those, those walls that we put up to protect us from people who might shun us. Like Lecrae, he said, people are going to call me crazy things. He didn't care though. God touched him, moved him. And then he, out of that love, felt so much that he, need, he was so compelled that he needed to share. So if you would like me to pray with you, I would love the opportunity to pray. If you do not know who Jesus is, 
and you would like to know who Jesus is, you would like a relationship with Jesus, I would also love to pray with you for that. So I'll be down here if anybody would like to pray. And in the meantime, you guys are all dismissed. Thank you.